0: Welcome to FrasierCast, the place where we discuss all things autism, mental health, and special needs. Today we will be discussing the effects of COVID-19 on families and children with special needs, including telehealth. And speaking of telehealth, because of COVID-19, we are broadcasting you today virtually online. Most schools, places of public gathering, and non-essential businesses are closed, and parents and other caregivers are faced with helping their families adjust to the new normal. As a nonprofit organization that supports families with mental health and special needs, Fraser is aware that adjusting to a new normal when you are caring for someone with special needs takes time, patience, and many support partners to help along the way. Today we have two special members of Fraser's staff to help us sort out these complex issues. Pat Police, Director of Integrated Healthcare at Fraser, and Sherry Brady, a licensed independent clinical social worker with Fraser, who are going to walk us through how Fraser is responding to the needs of their clients, and families at this time and what community schools are doing to help support these kids during the transition. We'll begin our conversation with Pat. Welcome to FraserCast, Pat. Thank you. So, can you please explain for starters the importance of Fraser remaining open during this current COVID outbreak?
1: Sure, I can do that. Many of you may know that Fraser is an essential community provider. So what does that mean? Well, it's really a state designation that we have been registered for and credentialed for, meaning that we provide essential community services. So as this state designation in the midst of this pandemic, uh, the governor has identified that essential community providers like Fraser. Are important to the well-being of families. So even though we're not delivering the physical health care, the social, emotional, and mental health care that families need at this time is crucial.
0: Thank you. And so, how is Fraser responding to this shift, and how are you able to provide services under these circumstances?
1: Well, it has been a whirlwind. We prior to the pandemic, we were positioning and have been doing telehealth which is basically providing services over a HIPAA compliant platform. So being able to talk over audio or video with our families delivering the same kinds of services that we might do in center. So something like individual therapy, family therapy, your Family Consults. These are all services in addition to case management that can be delivered online or over the phone. So we have increased our deployment of telehealth and all of our clinical staff are now trained and have gone through uh, accreditation within our organization. And we are uh, providing those services as we speak.
0: That's very impressive to shift those resources so quickly. Uh, what are some of the concerns that you have with serving clients in this way?
1: Well actually I will tell you first and foremost our clinicians while perhaps hesitant at first and families hesitant at first we have been hearing one after another anecdote about how this has really actually changed the landscape and we're seeing some real opportunities to work on things that might not have been as easy in the face-to-face context in the clinic. We certainly understand, however, that there are some challenges. So internet bandwidth, of course, uh, making sure that the video is consistent. You can imagine that using cameras with very young children might be somewhat challenging as well, uh, since they tend to move quite fast around the room. (laughs) And uh, there are uh, perhaps some maybe level of uncomfortableness that families might have. You know, We are going into their homes, uh, their places where they're experiencing day-to-day life and families have a different level of comfort in uh, bringing us into their home uh, uh, via this telehealth uh, format. However, I will say um, the first sessions that have occurred, again, uh, most families really embrace it and have found it to be really helpful
0: that's wonderful, so you also have residential clients at Fraser. How are they impacted by this new
1: world? So our residential clients are impacted um, certainly by their daily living where Practicing some things that might not be at the forefront of their mind, like social distancing, hand washing, cleaning and disinfecting. You know, these are things that we're all getting used to in our day-to-day lives. And for some of our residents who have not had a particular routine, or perhaps this routine has been difficult for them, It requires a lot of guidance from our residential staff to um, help them through these times, help them understand why social distancing is important. Another big piece is that we are limiting visitors and avoiding community outings. And this can be stressful both for the families that live outside the residence as well as the residents themselves um, expecting maybe their weekly Visit with their families, and due to the um, uh, possibility that uh, somebody could be exposed and then bring it back to the resident, we have much higher uh, standards in terms of what can and cannot be done.
0: You mentioned routines, Pat. Um, How can you, what advice do you have for parents in establishing new routines or recognizing that routines are sort of, you know, being uh, turned upside down? Uh, How would I as a parent set a new routine for my family?
1: Sure, I know parents are looking for those routines. Um, For many of us, every single routine that we had before around school or home or community or work has uh, been disrupted by this pandemic. And so I encourage families to look at the routines that remain and try to expand them as much as they can. And not to see a building routine as this huge ordeal, but it might even be something as simple as counting to five when you're transitioning to a new activity for a very young child. Or adding an activity after a common routine like dinner, Uh, So that uh, the child can and the family can begin to add on and sequence some routines that might give them some semblance of comfort and predictability in their daily lives.
0: That's great advice. Uh, Any uh, advice for the parents themselves and how they manage these new
1: routines? So for parents, I think it's important to think about as our stress increases, there are so many things that we've lost control of, right? Um, the illness, uh, there's a lot of information out there, but a lot of unknowns. Our routine is not as familiar. We're isolated. We don't know how long it will last. It's really important for families to think that um, they're. Oftentimes we approach situations that we don't know a lot about by getting more knowledge or approaching them very cognitively. But there is this other piece, um, knowledge and cognition doesn't always increase our comfort and help us regulate emotions. So I think the big Um, advice for families is to think about how their family is regulating how are the emotional skills uh, showing in the household and when it comes to children what we see in terms of behavior is connected to how they feel on the inside So when it comes to managing situations and uh, parents are seeing high behaviors and lots of frustration, thinking about activities to help self-regulate, help calm things down, help bring some comfort. So routines certainly can help with that. You can also develop visual calendars. You can also have some uh, fun activities that everybody gets pleasure out of, whether it be music or playing games or uh, doing something mindful, exercising, all of those things, depending on the family, can help achieve that same purpose.
0: Those are great tips. Um, What resources are available to parents from Fraser and other organizations?
1: There's a range of services. There are, uh, everybody's really coming together as a community and we do have some resources posted on www.frazier.org. And there are resources in terms of activities, in terms of visuals, in terms of how to talk to your child about COVID-19. There are lots of resources that might be on the web. In addition, I encourage families that have questions to uh, give us a call. We have some really brief services like Fraser Consults where we can meet with families and talk specifically about behaviors or questions they might have concerns about or engage in some of those telehealth therapies that um, are up and running and available. We're also working on uh, group services and parent groups um, in the very near future and are very close to opening up a direct consultation line. So I encourage people to go to our website. There's lots of resources that you can take on the spot as well as you can inquire about and possibly uh, engage in in the future.
0: See, Pat, this is a time when people talk about giving care to caregivers. uh, What can folks do to help Fraser's clients and staff during this time?
1: So I think one of the big things that we often forget is sometimes the way we make it through challenges and stress is through social connection. And uh, with social distancing and the shelter at home, it's very hard for us to call upon our resources to get that community to help us through. So I think if people know some of our uh, clients or staff, uh, calling, emailing, checking in, inviting somebody for a walk, all of those are things to help provide that uh, social connection or uh, referring them to a place where they can get activities. I'm hearing about some of our families who are getting classes, uh, whether it be music instruction or dance class uh, online. So there's lots of ways to connect people to those things that will help give them that semblance of routine. There are also other ways. um, If you don't have the time or resource, certainly food and uh, supplies are some things that we're hearing from our families that they need uh, because they're out of work, and certainly services. We do have an emergency response fund here at Frasier and trying to meet the demands of uh, families that are going through the uh, crisis with us, and you can find out more about that online as well.
0: So Pat, what if a family doesn't know what to do next?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, we have specialists that know community resources as well as Fraser resources. They are case managers and behavioral health home specialists, and they are on the phone regularly with families, sorting out all of the details of what they have in place and what they don't have in place, and trying to fill in the gaps. So, that would be a great way for someone to look at those small steps that help them achieve and get the support that they need uh, in order to um, provide the services that uh, their child or their family might need um, additionally in the uh, previously I mentioned the fraser family consults that 's another way to get a very short consultation around a particular area that the family might have questions about so Uh, Again, there's lots of resources out there. We have some staff that could help families walk through that process.
0: Thank you, Pat. This has been very informative. Uh, Do you have any final words for parents and their families on how they can make it through?
1: I think it... Yes, enlist your community there. I know uh, teachers, clinicians, staff, neighbors, they want to help. And I think um, don't take this on all yourself. Uh, Talk with somebody about the frustrations we're hearing from families uh, and all accounts about the stresses of working remotely or unable to work. Uh, difficulty with managing the school pieces and there are resources out there. So I just encourage people to uh, reach out, whether it be going online or talking with somebody about what are the next steps.
0: That's a great closing message. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for joining us on FraserCast. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day and stay healthy. You as well. Before we talk with Sherry, I want to take a moment to recognize that April is Autism Awareness Month. And we have a donor graciously offering to donate $25,000 as a match for any emergency funds raised this month for Fraser. I would love for you to take a second to go to www.frasier.org and donate, whatever you can. A contribution today or at any point throughout the month of April will have double the impact. We can't do this without you, and we are grateful for any support you are able to provide. Thank you. And now we welcome Sherry Brady. Hi Sherry, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So, let's begin with schools and how they are responding to students' needs concerning COVID-19.
2: Well, um, in Minnesota, distance learning has officially begun for students, as um, many parents are well aware. Um, There's distance learning for kids as young as pre-K all the way through 12th grade which is obviously a very huge adjustment for teachers, students, and families. So most school districts in Minnesota recognize the the crucial role that mental health plays in their students' academic success. And so as a result, school-linked mental health in Minnesota has grown over the previous years, which really makes accessing services for our families and students much more efficient. There's community mental health centers uh, and special needs agencies, just like Fraser, that provide services to children right in their schools um, as early as pre-K through 12th grade to support uh, social-emotional development. And Fraser uh, currently is partnering with several local metro school districts to provide this kind of social emotional support to students. Fraser has clinicians uh, that are located in a few school districts in the metro area, and we provide an array of services. Um, Sometimes we have clinicians that that work Uh, They have office space and work right into in schools, whether it's elementary, middle school, or high school, and they provide direct mental health counseling to certain students. Um, Some of those clinicians uh, involve uh, parents and have some family therapy involved. Uh, We also support classroom teachers in the early childhood, at the early childhood level, which is generally pre-K. Uh, We will support teachers in um, how they're supporting young students' uh, emotional learning in the classroom. Uh, We give them ideas about how to intervene. We we can connect with specific uh, parents who want more information or support for their child or their family. Um, We can also provide uh, more intensive services to some children in need, like day treatment classrooms. Uh, that are embedded in the school so that children can get their uh, special needs met right in the school. So they can be in a Frasier classroom for part of the day sometimes, and then a typical classroom for the other part of the day. There's, there's lots of different models. Now with COVID-19, obviously we're not able to provide these services directly in schools, but we are continuing to, br- to provide them via telehealth, and telehealth is when we use um, a platform that allows clients to talk directly with their clinician face to face through video on a smartphone or a tablet or computer, and that's working really well. Um, so we work with uh, families, we work we coach parents, and we work directly with kids via that model. Um, and we all like everyone else, we're looking forward to getting back into the schools and the clinics. But in the meantime, this mode is really um, helpful and supportive during this time of crisis.
0: So Sherry, a couple follow-up questions to that. First of all, you mentioned social and emotional well-being. Can you tell us more about what you mean by that?
2: Well, yes. Um, basically, we're talking about uh, regardless of how old your student is from age you know, four years to 17 years, it's really uh, we're talking about the child's ability to regulate their emotions, um, which means, you know, can they express them, can they do them in a safe, Can they express their emotions safely and uh, demonstrate age-appropriate self-control. We're also looking at the child's ability to form relationships with other people that are um, pretty much conflict-free and are um, age-appropriate, and then their ability to grow emotionally um, without adverse anxiety or fear, uh, to face challenges in an age-appropriate way and so forth. That's kind of a general um, definition, but when any of those things are not going well, that's going to impact their learning um, as well as their general mental health.
0: So in a world theory of distance learning, telehealth, uh how do these new factors uh, these new relationships play into uh, social and emotional well-being
2: in terms of uh providing services via telehealth instead of
0: face-to-face you mean or exactly and how yeah. a how a child may react to it i mean is there a possibility here that a child could you know step back or face other sorts of challenges that uh, they wouldn't otherwise
2: uh. mm-hmm. Well, actually, we're finding at Fraser that as um, as our clinicians are connecting with children uh, via telehealth, that the children are um, pretty comfortable with the technology, and there's a little bit of a novelty to it. Um, to getting to know their therapist, if they, um, you know, via telehealth, if they're new to telehealth or new to therapy. Um, and then other uh, children that have already been connected to their therapist are transitioning really quite well. Um, the children tend to feel pretty comfortable in their homes, and while there can be some distractions and certainly an adjustment period for the clinician and the child to work together, uh, there's also just been a lot of um, more accessibility, I think, too, because children are a little more comfortable, and they can share personal toys and um, that sort of thing uh, on the screen. Uh, they're pretty tech savvy. Uh, we share screens and do drawings and games with kids. And um, so it's, it's actually working pretty well so far.
0: For people who aren't familiar with telehealth or other sorts of learning uh, through these uh, electronic means, is it always by computer, laptop? Can it be by iPad, phone? How, how does this work on a
2: yeah, ideally anything with a screen. So children have used um, yeah, their parents' phones uh, to have a screen or um, yeah, a, um, an iPad or a tablet or a computer screen, they all work. Um, so yeah, clinicians have used all of those. And then if, if something doesn't work with that, we can always resort to simply talking on the phone. But certainly face-to-face is preferable.
0: Right. So we've talked to maybe here about children, but there's another important part of this equation, of course, which is the parents, uh, which are the parents and uh, who have you know, other things to worry about uh, now that they're working from home and taking care of kids and a special needs child uh, on top of it. What tips do you have for parents to manage
2: the uh, mm. process? Yeah, that's a very good question. And we're kind of all in this together. Um, You know, one thing that I really recommend for parents is uh, to really take some time to reflect on the losses and disruptions as a result of COVID-19 for themselves, their families, our communities, Um, because uh, and and to also get the support from their own uh, support systems regarding this because that will help them be a little more um, attentive to their children's reactions to this. Um, But just being able to acknowledge and recognize uh, the loss of familiar routines and time with friends, the loss of security that people have on many levels, uh, the loss of how we expected the world to work and the order that we had in our lives, it's just really important for parents to to tune into that for themselves and their family. Um, And parents themselves may Need uh, may recognize that their own need for maybe professional support and how telefe- telehealth platforms uh, really make getting that kind of support pretty accessible. Uh, um, you know, amid being um, the limits of, of COVID 19, uh, having to be at home. Um, and then beyond that, I think that um, there, there's been a lot of talk um, about this adjustment at home for parents of children, the importance of creating a new household schedule and routine. I think that that can be very helpful for children as long as parents are um, really open to being flexible. It's really, it can be so helpful to have a general schedule so children know what's expected. um, And then also for parents to be able to adapt that schedule if for some reason one hour is just not going well, it's okay to take a break and, uh, and take care of everyone's mental health. Another thing that can be really helpful for parents at this time is certainly offering a household schedule um, around people that need to be working and kids that need to do schoolwork, time for exercise, and time for to engage in preferred activities, all those things. Schedules can be very comforting for children and adults alike as long as uh, you know, keep a sense of flexibility with that too, because um, it's, it's also important to say, hey, today it's just not working to do this at two o'clock. We're just gonna skip it today or we're gonna flip the schedule around. Um, and while you're doing that, it's really important to uh, for parents to be really tuned into their kids' need for, emo- uh, for social connection and try to nurture that, even if it's writing grandma a letter or you know, drawing a picture for auntie that, you know, a a loved one that they can't see. Um, And to, uh, another thing would be to make sure that uh, every day the family is together for part of the day doing something fun. Uh, That's really important. And, um, so it's an opportunity to maybe do something fun that they haven't done for a while. Like I know families that are reading Harry Potter books out loud to their kids um, every day at a certain time. And that would be um, a fun activity for children no matter how what their age are, is. Um, other families are doing scavenger hunts, that sort of thing. And then finally, just being able to uh, share your successes and your trials with other families. and Because that's a good reminder that you're not alone and, um, and to always remember that there are other agencies like Fraser that you could always reach out to as well as your child's teacher for um, specific concerns.
0: That's great advice and very beautifully said. Thank you, this has been very helpful, Sherry. Let's close with a question regarding where parents can go for more information and support. You referenced earlier some uh, other facilities, is doing some partnerships. Um, of course there's Frasier, but how, how can, uh, where can parents go to get more information and help?
2: Well, I think I, I encourage uh, parents to check with their, low sc- with their local school district because um, like I said before, many of them have mental health supports right there. Um, they also have uh, access to different you know, information about all sorts of resources for the family. So a good place to start might be just with their child's teacher with the distance learning they are, uh, presumably connected to their child's teacher that way. Another um, thing parents can do is connect with Fraser via our website. Uh, we have lots of links to information there. is um, always open to um, provide parent consultations if parents have specific questions, and that way a therapist could maybe help determine the best next steps for that particular child or family.
0: Great, and sure you mentioned Fraser's website that's fraser.org f r a s e r Thank you very much Sherry this has been very informative have a great rest of your day and please stay healthy Thank you you too I would like to thank both Pat and Sherry for their time today on Frasercast if you have any questions regarding what they have said please visit our website at www.fraser.org that's f r a s e r .org I also want to remind you to head to the Fraser website and donate to support the emergency funds that are helping Fraser expand service platforms for families as they navigate this questionable time. On behalf of all of us at Fraser, we appreciate your support.
1: Stay safe and stay well.